Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 170 for your scorecards. Um, my name is Aaron, and thanks for joining us. And with me as always, Fredo and Dave. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. How, how are things going for you? Going well. Um, so we're re- I've gotten way worse since the last time we talked. We're recording two episodes tonight. Um <laughs> And, uh, but so I, I do have to ask, does anybody know how the, uh, chiefs and lions are doing right now? Last I uh, saw it was seven, seven. seven. Okay. Yeah, still is. All right. I just, turned, I just turned around and I saw it, seven, seven. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, so yeah, we're, we're keeping on our conversation about Ahsoka. Um, so because, because we just, uh, kind of caught up with our Labor Day weekend stuff, uh, in the previous episode, we really don't have any, uh, start of the episode banter. Um, so we're just going to kind of dive right into it. Um, but I will do some trivia because it's always, we just got to cleanse the palate a little bit. Um, so, uh, anyway, all right, let me put my old man glasses on. All right. So Fredo, you get to go first this time. Okay. Who accepts an invitation into an escape pod only after being shaken by one too many blaster bolts? I'm going to regret this. Uh, C-3PO. That is an awkwardly worded question, but yes, it is C-3PO. Mm-hmm. It's like, it makes you wonder, like, were there any, other, well, were there any other escape pods in the uh, episodes uh, one through six? No, the only time they ever mention them is when people eject them in mass. So, I mean, I suppose uh, Grievous got into an escape pod in episode three. Anyway, I digress. Um, so, all right. Dave, to you. <laughs> I think we may have gotten this one before. How many eyes grace the ferocious Nexus spade-shaped head? What? How many eyes <laughs> grace the ferocious Nexu's spade-shaped head? So the Nexu, how many eyes does it have? I don't know. One. The little the little kitty cat that uh you know that gave us that that gave uh, Padme a bare midriff for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Okay, I'll try four. Four. You want me to make it multiple? Oh, well, I was going to make it multiple choice, but you just got the right answer. It is four. Okay. It's four. I was going to go with six, but yeah, it's four. <clears throat> the Nexu. <laughs> that was sorry. That was dirty old man George Lucas in that scene <laughs> when it's like you know, let, let's have let's have the big cat you know slice it you know, um, young uh. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman and you know, give her yeah, his was dirty old. Bare <laughs> All right. So to me, what does the stormtrooper at most Eisley checkpoint demand to see from Luke? You don't need to see his identification. Which I like that. I like that grab of the line, you know, when Balin and Shin go onto the ship in episode one of Ahsoka. Allow me to show you our identification. Thought that was any, then end up slicing in a Dyson. But anyway, all right. So um, tonight we are talking about episode four of Ahsoka. And the title of this episode was Fallen Jedi. Fallen Jedi. Oh my goodness. Um, which that title can apply to a great many people in this episode. So, um, so I suppose, uh, you know, like I said, we left off with, uh, Sabine and Ahsoka and Hu Yang hiding in the forest. Um, um, but, uh, sorry, that was Robin Hood and little John walking through the forest. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so anyway, they're hiding from, uh, uh, Balin and all those people. And, um, so we open up, um, it's really interesting as they're kind of fixing the ship. There's this, this, this interaction with Sabine and Ahsoka. There is, there is trust and skepticism issues between the two of them. 
that is apparent at the beginning of this episode. It's actually been apparent through all of it, but now it's really magnified because Ahsoka's said, can I count on you? And I remember thinking that was kind of odd. And, you know, and Sabine says, yeah, of course you can. But, you know, I, I don't know. What did you guys think in the moment there when, where did that come from, from Ahsoka? What was your thoughts? Not, you can't use what you know now after watching the entire episode, <laughs> but what did you think in the moment? Like, well, why is she bringing this up? I mean. That didn't jump out at me, but what I will say that really jumped out at me was a line later from uh, the droid again, where, when he's, he says, the two of you need to stick together. And uh, I think that was a callback. It was both a callback to this and then also um, foreshadowing for the rest of the episode, which was that, yes, they should have followed his advice. Yeah, for me, when, when Asuka asks Sabine about counting on her, I think he's, you know, without going into what's later, what later happens, it's just, I think she's cognizant that that Sabine is kind of conflicted. And being conflicted, going into battle against well-trained force users like uh, Balin and Marok and Shin, it's not going to really work to her. You know, it's not going to work for their advantage if if Sabine is split ten ways from Tuesday. She needs to be focused on the mission. So in some ways, I kind of thought of it like a like a teacher reminding us, you know, like we're here for this. This is our mission. Let's get this done. You know, later for all the other stuff. It makes me wonder. I mean, I, I, in the moment, I was like, because Ahsoka is, you know deep in some sort of, you know, thought or, you know, not really a meditation, but it seemed to me like she knows what's about to go down. And we know that she was in the world between worlds, you know, with Ezra. And apparently I've heard that, I mean, she, I think Filoni said she'd been in there more prior after that. So it makes me wonder how much of the future Ahsoka knows. And she knows also that always in motion is the future, you know, but I think she's wondering, she knows what's coming at him and she doesn't trust Sabine. She doesn't trust Sabine and Sabine doesn't trust her because she said, you know, she, I mean, she was Ahsoka abandoned her. Um, and I think Ahsoka is also wondering because of that, you know, now that we're back as a team, are you going to be, so they're setting us up for, you know, like I said, who Yang says stay together, but they're setting us up for, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough thing for them to do. It's going to, it's going to be an issue. And um, it's specific too. She, she asked her if it comes down to a choice about Ezra, what are you going to do? And, Sabine's like, oh, I'm with you. I'm going to do the right thing. But we know, watching that scene unfold, like, no, no, she's she's not all in on making sure they can't use the map at this point. She She's all in on finding Ezra. You know, and also, I mean, to be fair to Sabine, you know, Hera, when... when Harris said, you know who can help you with this map? And Ahsoka said, yeah, I know, but I don't think she's going to want to. And Harris said, she will for Ezra. I mean, then, then shame on Ahsoka for, you know, you know, if you, you're not, even though, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're the, they're the, the best quarterback in the league, but he's also, a, you know, an interception machine. Well, yeah. Or yeah. I mean, right. I mean, or it's, it's kind of a Jameis Winston thing, you know, it's like, yeah, he can throw, he threw for 5,000 yards. He can throw, he has an arm like a cannon, but he throws interceptions all the time. It's like, I don't trust our quarterback. You know what I mean? So, I mean, so anyway, um, that's just interesting how they, they set that up from the get go. Um, and, uh, then we, <laughs> well, um, so, okay. So let's, let's, let's jump into, uh, into this one here um 
I guess I have to say that the droid fight was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of fun, isn't it? It was fun. Thing, it was know? yeah, it yeah. was interesting, but it was it was also kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. It's also it's it's kind of like a video game. It was like the first level, you take on the droids, second level, you take on the apprentice, third level, you take it on the master. Yeah, I mean it is. Yeah. It's I'm sorry. I, yeah, that's a good point, Fredo. I, I sometimes watch a lot of these things, a lot of movies, a lot of mm-hmm. these shows with the skeptical as like whenever it's like, you know, all of a sudden this monster we have to fight. It's like, okay, well that's level that's the level six boss. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like pay attention. When Anakin says, you know, hit the middle eye, then that's the you know, that's gonna be the kill shot. Um here, here come the bad guy red shirts, you know, like we're they're gonna die instantly because uh, they're fodder. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so we had some rock'em sock'em robots between Hu Yang and the uh, assassin droids. Um, but uh, I'm going to cut now, cut. So then we get Hera decides to become a rebel again. And after well, the rebel. after the uh, um, Senate committee said no, can't help, um, she gets the ghost with her kid and chopper. And five X-Wings, and off they go to help um, Ahsoka and Sabine. Um, and again, like we said in the last episode, Hera is seeming like Hera now. So, um, I don't know. Uh, were you surprised that uh, that Carson Tiva was one of the X-Wing pilots? or Not after Mandalorian Season 3, because he's... I mean, he knows Seb, so you kind of figure he probably knows Hera in some kind of way. But also the idea of he's kind of noticing things at the edges of the galaxy, you know, this, you know, stuff happening here, there, and everywhere. So the idea that, you know, he would jump at the chance to investigate something Imperial-related with Hera makes total sense. But this also goes into, again, what we're talking about, the New Republic. I mean... <laughs> The, the new republic I, they, what you just, okay we're just gonna go we're just gonna take you know you know fighter craft and a bunch of x-wings and you know flip the middle bird and off we go you know it's like yeah you got problems you know Limperisted. what's that <laughs> Limperisted, right i, I mean it just stop <laughs> or i'll say stop again you know it's like yeah, I I know, mean, right? there's no there's no commander command and control it's like you know, you have one guy that says, you can't do that. Well, just tell him something, you know, it's yeah. like, seriously. It's so, I mean, they're really doing a good job of showing that the new Republic is just, you know, he's kind of, I don't know, they're scared of themselves. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're off to, they're off to help. Um, and again, I got to say that whole shot of all of the fleet and, you know, and jumping to hyperspace and everything like that. It all just looks like awesome Star Wars. Not to be a broken record, but I just continually, I can't believe how good it looks. And I don't know if those are models or if it's all CG. Um, I can't wait to see the behind the scenes stuff for this. Um, but, um, so anyway, this like this, this whole thing is just setting up for, you know, um, kind of the climax of the, of the first half of the season. Um, and so we get back to Cetos. Cetos, is that where we're at? Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> commence all the fighting and all of the lightsabers. Um, Those so, lightsaber fights too. Yeah. So we got, we got. Um, well, first of all, I, I dug it that Sabine went full Mandalorian to start off with. Yeah. You know, and like you said, Hu Yang says, stick together. And that should have been the, you know, the warning, you know, everybody pay attention. But, uh, but like I said, I like how Sabine goes full Mandalorian. She's shooting guns and using her Mandalorian stuff, you know, against, uh, Shin and Marok, uh, and Ahsoka's, you know, being Ahsoka. Um, I don't know. How'd you, how'd you like this dynamic, especially when, you got Sabine using the grappling hook and pulling a guy into, you know, Ahsoka so she can chop his head off. Um, that was all just an awesome fight. It's something that, I mean, had been hinted at in Rebels when uh, when Sabine's training with the Dark Saber. It's that, you know, that she gets the van braces and 
they're trying to ask her to use her Mandalorian skills as you know with this Jedi training. So yeah. it makes total sense that she would do that, particularly because it's something no one else can do. You know, Shin and Mara, they can't predict what she's going to do as a Mandalorian, even though she's going to use the Force, lightsaber, or, you know, <laughs> the darts in her, the little uh, whistling birds in her uh, wrist. Hey, um, well, this might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I, I was struck in this episode quite a bit by Shin uh, and her portrayal um and even going back to last episode where there was like towards the end of the episode where she's sort of pushing back against morgan i'm talking a little bit of trash um that's a little bit of that rebellious nature that i said that we had not seen yet she had been very much uh under her master's thumb um but you see some of that rebellion is trickling out more and more and more um which i really appreciate uh there's something about her um i need to look up the act the actress's name who plays her she's brilliant physically um and she conveys a lot with with not a lot of dialogue as well with her expressions and her body language um but she's incredible in in some of these fights where you're seeing her string together moves that Ray Park would have had trouble with in his prime in Phantom Menace, like that good. Um, and I don't know, like if the way that it's shot or if it's enhanced in some way, I don't know any of that. But what I do know is it comes off as bloody impressive like really really impressive there's one sequence in particular that i think back to in the first um in the first episode where she strung together like two moves and it was like i said ray park-esque quick quick as obi-wan and uh, uh maul in episode one and it was just for sabine to like not lose her head in that moment um I mean, credit to both actresses for being able to pull that off because we've seen a lot of shaky yeah. lightsaber fights over the years. Uh, and they put the work in. So uh, as kind of a tangent, um, how much did you realize you missed lightsabers in your Star Wars? You know, I... I I don't know. Because, like, on the one hand, I'm really appreciating, like, a lot of the technical side of it that we're seeing and, and i'm really trying to enjoy it on that level from a storytelling perspective i'm kind of like yeah yeah nobody's really gonna die here it's too early in the series i get it um so i like more of i appreciate lightsaber battles for um the verbal sparring aspect where we get really interesting dialogue and for the like the technical side of it, when you see things that the actors are able to pull off that you you maybe haven't seen before, some some kind of move that maybe you've not seen on film before, um, I well, love that kind of stuff. Like I said, you know, um, Andor was was kind of a palate cleanser, you know, because it was not it was you know it was mm -hmm. like after you know it's like everybody's it seemed like there was lightsaber and everything, but it you know it was it's just it's just nice. I like Star Wars is. It's, it is about politics. It is about Jedi. It is about, you know, good guys. It's, it's all the things, you know. And so I, I like having lightsabers in it. I would say, I will say this episode, I was kind of struck by how much lightsaber stuff we got. Um, so. Um, oh, I want to say to the actress, I want to give her credit. Ivana Sokno, who, and mm -hmm. she's Ukrainian. Um, it looks and, a lot like uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Or is that just me? Maybe a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. her, her whole look and vibe, I'm like, the second I saw mm -hmm. her walk on screen, I'm like, my daughter's going to love this character and is going to want to dress up as her because it was just like, yeah, on point. But yeah, she's doing an incredible job. I mean, like, she has to be Sabine's equal or even like a little bit better than 
mm-hmm. Sabine and Sabine so far, as we've said, is really the MVP of this series. Um, and so like, I think like she's kind of an undersung hero of this, of, of this series so far. So I just wanted to shout her out, but yeah, like where my, where my mind got blown was with, um, Mr. Mr. Death sister. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's, uh, so first of all, we had, we had, it was, it was great battle and you got Ahsoka versus Marok and you have Sabine versus, um, Shin. And, um, I like the, st- first of all, I want to talk about the Sabine Shin stuff. I like how, you know, Sabine gets knocked off her game and gets her helmet knocked off and gets knocked down. First of all, she had to get out the lightsaber and it became a lightsaber duel. And then it looked like she tried to use the force and, and Shin actually even like, it, like two for flinching type of thing, you know, Shin moved her head. I couldn't quite figure out. I was like, did Sabine actually get something out there and like kind of give a slap to the face or was Shin like expecting to get nailed? And then when like, Oh, you don't have anything. And then Sabine shoots her with wrist rockets, like like Fredo said. That's why I think eventually I think Sabine becomes, you know, we talked about the who's the next Mandalorian Jedi. You know, it's like it's gotta be that mixture of it cannot be just Jedi or just Mandalorian. She has to mm-hmm. use those Fen Rao, you know, tricks and everything that that Kanan got on her case for. I read that as progress for uh, like that scene. Like you said, it could have been like her just expecting to get hit and jerking. Um, psych. Um, I read it as her actually getting her head like knocked to the side a little bit. But if it was that, I will say uh-huh. we'll, we'll talk about this because it's something I want to talk about when we talk about the, the next set of duels. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of dark side of the force being used. Mm hmm in these battles because if Sabine did that, it was out of like, like Ahsoka said, frustration and, you know, basically fear, you know? So she wasn't trying to be, she was just trying to hurt. And there's a lot of that going on, but let's go over to Ahsoka and Murak. And I don't care. It doesn't matter how you pronounce his name because he did he did homeboy <laughs> did it's like it's the funniest thing ever it's like who is it i was that guy it, you know it could i've heard it was a star killer that'd be cool people are going it's ezra it could be ezra you know it's like all these it's i remember you know steel saunders who said had the shirt your snoke theory sucks um you know that was this became your maroc theory theory sucks because and that was a great duel between him and ahsoka and um, and I think, and I'll give credit where credit is due. Um, the resistance broadcast was talking about this, um, Ahsoka in this duel versus Ahsoka in her Balin duel is a tale of two different people. Um, cause she uh, was there's, extremely there's also... calm and, yeah. and focused in this one with Marok and with Balin very emotional and, thrown off her game but anyway go ahead dave uh, i was just going to briefly say a callback to twin sunsets oh twin suns yeah yeah it she the way that she ends the fight yeah I one mean, stroke you know that's all it takes that it was it was very much like when when kylo ren uh sliced snoke that was the exact same reaction that i got it was like oh okay like you say sliced in half but the cool thing was is that i don't I, it's like it's weird. It's like, why is it when Ahsoka kills an Inquisitor, they go and deflate? It's like in uh, the um, the what's the cartoon the the animated stuff, Tales of the Jedi, when she oh, battles yeah. an Inquisitor and chops off his head, is it go it deflates, and you get the sound, and that's what kind of happened here too, but notice the green mist that comes the out green of mist, it right so it's i mean it's like did they did they reanimate somebody did they just create this person you know who knows but there's which a, makes me wonder if we'll see him back again 
Because if he's all powered by Night Sister witchcraft, well, we have a Night Sister on the ship. We could just simply go, okay, I'll make a new one. Could be. Could be. But, I mean, did, I mean, did you see that coming? Did you see? Uh, did you see him nope. getting getting uh, whacked um, like this and this early? No, not one bit. At least they gave the guy, you know, credits. You know, last episode for because he spoke three lines, and uh, but now it's like, okay, you done. Um, but I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's like you got to start whittling down some people, like you said earlier. It's like. First you get first you beat the droids, then you beat, you know, Marok, and then you gotta beat the apprentice, and then you gotta get to Balin. Um Have you guys seen Hellboy too? No. Yes. Uh, you know the uh the Johan Krauss character? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's where I got a callback to, which is just mm-hmm. like somebody who's essentially a spirit. And has mm-hmm. been pulled into this fo- physical form and is embodying this physical form. And like that doesn't mean like when you, when, you know, when that, when she took him down, that doesn't mean he's, he's dead. Yeah. Right. Cause he was already dead. And yeah. it also, yeah. yeah. Cause it makes you wonder why the heck they went with Inquisitor gear, Inquisitor lightsaber. Cause they could have given him anything, but they went specifically for that. So, Makes me wonder maybe he was a former Inquisitor at one point, maybe the fifth brother or whatever, and they just just grabbed this essence out of the the force and just said, "Okay, we're sticking you in this armor." And let's let's put right, a, so, so I think maybe we put a pin in that because I got an idea no, about when we get to the end of this episode. I have an okay. idea here. We're talking about again Night Sisters. We're talking about who's carrying, who was playing the character. Who was playing the character? Sam Woodward. No, Sam Woodward. No, he was not playing. Darth the character. Maul's ghost. No, he was not. He was not playing the character of. <laughs> he wasn't. No, he was voicing it. Was, it. No, he wasn't voicing it, was. it either. No, um, it was. They've credited it to some other dude. If you look at the credits in episode three, it wasn't Sam Witwer. Um, Sam Witwer is credited for being a like helping with voices, but this uh, other guy was given. He had the the physical performance, but the in I the think. third episode they gave yeah. him um, like full credits. So and like I said, it's so that has to be, you know, if you talk, you oh. get so anyway. Um, anyway, the, yeah, the theory is continue. That's my point. Um, yeah. But anyway, okay. So we get uh, so then we get, uh, um, and I'm trying to remember how the the Sabine and. Uh, shin thing goes down um but ahsoka makes her way to uh, balin's job is to guard the map until all the coordinates are in line so they can make their mega hyperspace jump and he's got to guard the map um and then ahsoka comes to uh to face him and oh my god what a great what a great duel this was. And what's interesting though, you know, and, and Balin says, um, Anakin spoke highly of you and, you know, few saw where, you know, what he become. So he knows that Anakin became Vader. Um, and it's interesting as to how he knows this stuff and when we when he then faces Sabine later, it's interesting because it's obvious that he reads her thoughts and feelings to use stuff against her. But Balin is trying to get under Ahsoka's skin from the get go. He said, "Is that why you left him? Is that that has to hurt to know that your master, after you left him, became the most horrible person on the planet? Boy, don't you feel bad? You know." Um, so it's it's it was just a it like I said it threw Ahsoka off her game from the get go. She wasn't the same as when she was battling Marok. He had a good line um, about losing his faith. Yeah. Um, earlier too, um, which was really kind of, I mean, that just encapsulates his character, doesn't it? Like he is no longer adhering to these these ideals of the Jedi. And um, 
and now he's gonna like he's gonna brute force her that's his strategy here i'm gonna get in her head and then i'm just gonna be better than her um and he's right i mean it works uh what 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 i find interesting about rosario's performance during this whole sequence is that she's she's studying like she's constantly like her head is on a swivel she's looking around she you could say it looks to me like she's making mental notes throughout this entire sequence and like you could say that like maybe she's studying her opponent and trying to learn how to defeat him but i also feel like maybe she's looking at the star map in in trying to take in as much information as she can there um i don't know that's just like there's there's an, there's an interesting thing going on with her performance during this whole sequence. But again, she's not, she's not focused. She's not in the right. moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and her, and when she see in there, and first of all, like I said, I think, man, Ray Stevenson is one of the best star. Wars. I don't even know if you can call him a villain yet. I mean, it's interesting what he is. It's, yeah. He's complex. He's complex. I mean, I guess, yeah, you can call him a villain, but he's a very much a villain, like, you know, in the Thanos, you know, way where it's like doing some awful stuff, but it's like, you know, I don't know. Um, but, um, when it, he, he is just, like I said, just portraying his part so well. Um, and like I said, he got, you know, you shouldn't have done that. And that was a mistake. And he's like, like you said, just overpowering her. Um, but, uh, he's focused. She's not. Um, and then, uh, it was, I mean, when you're battling on a cliff, somebody's going overboard. That's just, I mean, procedure. Yeah. So that was not surprising at all to see him knock Ahsoka over the cliff. Um, but what was interesting was that what got her there was when Shin shows up and she says, Sabine, she realizes Sabine's not there. So something bad happened. And again, took her out of her game. But then when she, when she grabbed Shin and chucked her up against the rock, again, a lot of dark side of the force being used here. Yeah, no, it was, it's a moment where she's, confronted with the loss of her potential battle one and you know but, she's still very much but remember what she said in that last episode she said frustration and i can't remember what the other i'm just gonna say anger will you know help you quick but they'll make you unbalanced so that here. was foreshadowing this moment right here mm-hmm. What I find, what I find, you know, because in that moment you could see almost the Anakin in her kind of come out. Because mm-hmm. this is how I mean, if they, you know, we've seen when Anakin thinks that that uh, Ahsoka is under threat or that she's uh, in mortal danger, he forgoes whatever training and he's like, "I'm the most powerful Jedi. Watch, watch me overcome you." So it's almost like at that moment she channeled a little bit of that, but she's not Anakin and. And she's had years and years of training on how to balance that out. But it was interesting, yeah, that in that moment, she did not throw shame like, a, oh, I want to keep you from getting in my way. It's a, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, it was started off with a little bit of a force choke. And then, like I said, chuck up. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. So, But remember what she said to Hu Yang. She said, remember, I didn't use, you know, uh, standard Jedi protocol to find out where the map was. I don't know, Dave, what'd you think about uh that uh Ahsoka Shin moment? Um I get, I get standard um uh I'm out of your league vibes from that. Uh Shin is still very young and experienced. Um Ahsoka's better than she is. Um that was my main takeaway from that. Um but I was interested in what followed. Go ahead. Keep going. Well, the seduction of Sabine. Yeah. Very different than his approach to Ahsoka, who, like I said, he brute force knocked her over. 
And then with Sabine, it was very much the same sort of approach that the dark side used with Anakin and Luke. Save the people that you care about. This is the way to do it. Join me, and you can save people that you care about. And... Of course, that's effective. And I love how he took a beat before all this started. He took a breath, closed his eyes, and obviously he was, let's see what I'm dealing with here. And read yeah. read her thoughts and used them against her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to need to use my lightsaber here because I can get it this way. By the way, is this official confirmation what he tells Sabine about the death of her family on Mandalore? Is that official now? I guess so. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, because because he's telling her, you know, you lost your entire family on the in Mandalore, which I'm guessing happened during the Night of a Thousand Tears, but Good that's year. her mom, her dad, her brother, which explains why she's so willing to kind of sacrifice that side of her that wouldn't fight daily. Because your master oh, just... didn't trust you. The yeah, because... wedge in there. Yeah. yeah, because at the end of the day, her last bit of family in the galaxy is Ezra, and she has a chance to save him, and that's the carrot that Balin gets her with. Do you think this... Um... This the this, I've been kind of first of all I've I've been batting around, batting this around. What I can't I'll get to the end of my argument here is that I come to the point of the same thing I did with Luke in the Last Jedi that this makes Sabine interesting and also very um, relatable um, because but it, but at first I was like does this cheapen her character because she is in Rebels so very confident you know, so very strong. I mean, has her moments of, you know, insecurity, but that was only in a couple episodes, really. Um, and here it's, but I think this makes her, like I said, very real. like you said, you've lost your family. The Jedi droid says you're no good. You know, your master walked away from you and master didn't trust you and all. So it's like you, you are going to be susceptible to, uh, all I all I want is Ezra back. You know, I just want my friend back. You know, my this, my family, this, my brother. You know, this series is breaking down a lot of preconceptions that we have about Force users, and I think like there's um, there's all the great stuff that you know is sort of nebulous. We don't know. It's like oh, Jedi, Sith, what? Um, how do you define those things? I, that that's less interesting to me then learning that a Jedi is out of a person's league, not only like with a lightsaber or for force choking or shooting lightning at you, but also in the way that they can communicate with you and cut to the heart of the matter and be persuasive. Mm-hmm. And in that way, Sabine's completely out of her league. We see her out of her league physically and, She's not in tune with the Force enough. She's not as good a warrior as some of these other people. But here you also see this person is a master manipulator and and understands her. Again, he's using the Force to tap into these things. He's he's reading her thoughts, etc. But um, just that sort of mastery of relationships and communication. And like, to me, that's you know appealing sort of idea that this, the Jedi could speak to a normal person and not even use the Jedi mind trick per se, but just get what they want out of a situation yeah. just by talking to someone. I'm also going to cut her a little bit of slack and take this from a different perspective in that we think that she's given away the farm, that she's joining, you know, I'm beaten. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to give him the map and then I'll get Ezra back. But it may be one of those things, kind of like in the dogfight from the previous episode where Ahsoka was like, you know, just do this, just do this. And Sabine's, you know, and, eventually okay Sabine what do you need what do you need 
And so maybe Sabine is like seeing that the only way that the situation is going to get good is if I give him the map right now. Because otherwise, you know, if, if we destroy the map, then, you know, it's, there's, it's probably going to be a hell of a lot worse than if I just give him the map and, you know, he takes me out, but yeah, I'll pretend like I'm joining him. I don't know. I don't think she's joining the bad guys. I think she's playing a longer game. No, I don't think so either. Sabine ain't stupid. When you start, when you start looking at her choices, her choices are destroy the map and get killed, try to fight them, get killed, and then take the map, or hand over the map and appear to come over to their side. Keeps you alive, gives you a chance to find Ezra. Maybe you can figure out something else along the way on how to stop Thrawn. Which, when you consider it, it's how they've done Rebels. When they were when they were on the crew of the girls, that's their demo is stay alive, stay fighting until we can figure a way to win. So again, it was, you know, Ahsoka at the beginning of this episode saying, Can I count on you? She was saying, Can I count on you to do what I want you to do? Mm-hmm. Not I mean, even though it came out, can I count on you to do the right thing? Perhaps she is doing the right thing. It's just not what Ahsoka wanted. You know what I mean? This, I mean, yeah. I think both things can be true. Like, I think that Balin can be the kind of person that is very persuasive. Hundred percent, yeah. And and she can be the kind of person that is strategic and will say, "Okay, I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to regroup, and then I'm going to eventually figure out a way out of this mess." So, okay, we've talked about this a lot. Um, so now what also is going on here is that Hera and the five X-Wings uh, are now in the system. And um, as they show up, that's when the the Eye of Sion, which what is that? that the Eye of Sauron, the, um, yep. the, yep. the what was it? The, anyway, um, but anyway, it's it's getting ready to make its jump and it was interesting. And first of all, I love the fact that they had a ticking clock in this, you know, how, you know, the, the engines had to get warmed up enough. I thought that was, that's just a great little thing when you have, like I said, that ticking clock. Um, but anyway, they're like, um, the ships are in our, the droids, like the, the ships are in our way. And Morgan's like, screw it, go. And launches into hyperspace. Um, and takes out like what a couple X wings and we, we got kind of a holdo maneuver is what we got. Um, I don't know what do you, and what do you think about this whole sequence of the, the jump to hyperspace? Uh, the effects were great. Um, and this might lead into Dave, your, your comment here of Mm -hmm. something more about Morgan here. So I did want to say briefly the, the effects, fabulous the x-wings look wonderful the way that they crashed into one another and were flung about and all of that it was really really well done but yeah i'm really curious about morgan and what her end game is um because it 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 doesn't seem like a natural parent to me that a knight sister would be devoted to the idea of Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. Again, like that, I think like, is he a means to an end? Um, is, is she trying to just acquire power and that's it? Um, does she have another goal in mind and he's going to help her achieve that goal? I don't know. I, I it just, it seems sort of like a tenuous connection still. And I, um, We've been we've been just loving the antagonists in this, um, and I think like we we have a pretty good grasp of what's going on um, with the others. But so far with Morgan, we're still a little we're still a little hazy there, and like the background and what exactly was her relationship to the Night Sisters? She said she she said she was descended from them. But is she one? It, you know, is there? 
I would if I had to if I had to put money down, I'd say she is because she's using yeah. the the magic. Um, yeah, you see the green and the but yeah. um, but there there's a lot that happened between Rebels and now. I mean, you could say what what the heck happened between you know Ahsoka and Sabine. We didn't know that there was training. There was there, there's stuff that's gone on there, um, you know, and like you and so all we knew at in the Mandalorian season two episodes when, you know, we found out that uh, she worked for Grand Admiral Thrawn. So we I don't know, you know that that is an interesting thing. What is her motivation? Because um, it 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 would it's it'd be weird if it was like a disciple, you know you know, leader relationship. I don't know. Are they, I don't know. Do we ship the two of them? Can we, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think that will Should be everybody in Star Wars. I think that will be, uh, uh, I think, I think that will be explained in the next, uh, episode. I think it'll become clear, but you're right. It doesn't seem logical. It makes sense. You know, Balin and Shin, you know, a couple force wielders that, you know, are mercenaries, you know, post, Order 66. Cool. Okay. I, I buy that. You know, um, be right. It is, it is weird. I don't know what her motivation is. It really know. creates an interesting, yeah, question about her because from what we know, the Night Sisters of Dathomir, they're expunged by uh, the Gre- Separatists. Yeah, Grievous. You know, we saw that. Yeah. yeah, by Grievous. We saw that happen in Clone Wars. And then in uh, Jedi Fallen Order, we get to meet uh, Merrick, which is uh, Merrick, I'm sorry, who's one of the last Night Sisters who's been left behind, and she's holding the Jedi responsible for it all. So the journey starts. So it makes me wonder where the heck Morgan was during all that. Because she clearly has a devotion to the Empire, a devotion to Thrawn that's different from her sisters, different from her order. Order was all about themselves. It wasn't, you know, they ruled Dathomir, they were in charge of their planet, they were in charge of their culture, and she seems way more imperial than that. So it makes you, it makes you wonder what exactly is her ultimate endpoint for, you know, what she's got planned. So it's interesting, because you don't think about it, you just think, oh, that bad guy or bad girl, you know, that villain, she's got to be doing villainous things, she wants to get the big bad guy back here, so... But, but that's not may not necessarily be the case. By the way, backing up a little bit, um, Balin said something interesting that I think it was not just a throwaway line. It said, "If mm-hmm. your if your calculations are off even by a little, mm-hmm. then we're cast to the void." Yep. I think that's going to come into play somehow. But we realizing how much how pinpoint accuracy this is because they are they're jumping to another galaxy. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Dave. That the to we, when you're talking about the effects, it was awesome. Again, didn't look, I mean, didn't look like they, you know, cut expenses or anything. But then it was interesting. Uh, you know, Jason said, "Mom, I have a bad feeling." Mm-hmm. He didn't say, "I have a bad feeling about this." I mean, but he said, "I have a bad feeling," and I, you know, I think that was yeah. I want to be a Jedi, but I don't necessarily. I think maybe this is the first little twinge of you know he has you know those natural abilities um which makes me worried that he's gonna end up at luke's jedi temple (laughs) oh god (laughs) everybody will yeah um young one slain too electric boogaloo so we're all gonna die there but you know okay so um so talking about Ahsoka here just a little bit, um, like I said, she, we, we talked about in the last, episode, she car- she's carrying a lot of guilt. She's carrying a lot of guilt. Um, you know, we saw it in rebels when, you know, she had that vision of Anakin and Vader in the Jedi temple. Um, we, I mean, she's, she walked away from Sabine. She didn't want to train Grogu. I think she's like, you know, basically everybody that I come in contact with, something bad happens too, you know, type of a deal. Um, so maybe she's carrying guilt maybe for Sabine's family, you know, now that we find out they were wiped out first, apparently some decision that Ahsoka made, you know what I mean? So there's, 
there's a lot of stuff, like I said, get back to what's Morgan's deal. There's a lot of stuff that's being dropped here and there to say a lot of stuff went down. And I think it adds to Ahsoka's emotional baggage. Now, what also will add to Ahsoka's emotional baggage is that here we get to the, we see the cliff, you know, and the water's on the cliff and we're panning left. And, and then we see her arm and we see her laying there and she stands up and she's in the world between worlds. Now, before we get any further, what'd you think about how this looked? I thought it looked awesome. I was really, I was really interested in how they were going to portray this because it looked kind of goofy in Rebels. This looked great. Yeah, it looked, it looked awesome. It looked exactly what you would think the world between worlds should look, which it's like that. It's spacey and trippy and uh, ephemeral. It doesn't. It, it looks not like any place you've been to, but. Uh, uh, unique and silver, and a good copy of what we saw in Rebel. So I was happy with it, and you kind of knew the moment that she fell and she didn't come back up. I was like, did she get transported some kind of way to the world between worlds? And no, I, I didn't think that. Bed. I didn't. Think I that. thought. I thought that when I was like, because I was thinking, you know, we're gonna get a moment here where Ahsoka's got to go through the world between worlds. And at first, I thought maybe she'll try to activate the map and jump in and end up there, but no, for all. So raises all sorts of questions so it's interesting all right so let's jump into that first of all hats off to um them on their closed captioning because when you hear hey snips the closed captioning it just says mysterious voice (laughs) and then it says you know then the next line is you know i didn't think i'd see you for a while and says mysterious voice again and she turns around and it is hayden christensen as anakin in his revenge of the sith garb um and except for the lightsaber and she said what what'd you say except for the lightsaber well the the lightsaber it's interesting because i saw new rock stars was talking about that it's the way it is shot it's not clear as whether or not is it just the lighting i mean it could have been anakin's lightsaber you know it it doesn't it just looks weird it's like is it the lighting or is it meant to be a different lightsaber that being said, we all know from The Last Jedi, pay attention to these things because Luke wouldn't have been coming out with his original A New Hope lightsaber, but, you know, that just kind of blew by us. Um, so anyway, um, so we, all they do is they just look at each other and then credits, kind of. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit. I was geeked out at the end of it because they remind us that this is Darth Vader, folks, because mm-hmm. we end on Vader's theme. Um, yeah. So they're laying groundwork of, you know, everybody is so over the moon, clutching their hearts like, oh, it's Nips and Sky Guy. They get to see each other again, but they give us a little hint musically that this isn't going to go the way you think. Um now, I have a thought. I think I don't think Ahsoka fell into the world between worlds. I think Anakin pulled her in. Much like, or whoever this whoever this person is, because there's some. Is this Anakin or is this somebody posing as Anakin? But I think that she was pulled in, just like Ezra pulled her in. Um, in Rebels, because here's the window, you know, and and it's interesting. Again, give credit where credit is due. New Rockstar was talking. You know, it was interesting in the World Between Worlds episode of Rebels. Morai, the owl, which is the animal spirit of the daughter of the Mortis gods, was hanging out in the World Between Worlds before Ahsoka was even in there. So why couldn't the sun, the dark side of that, also be hanging out in there? And if he wanted to manipulate Ahsoka, who better to manipulate her than pose as Anakin? Very briefly, I will say, if anybody's listening to this, watching this show, and they're just like, baffled Watch but, Rebels. <laughs> intri- but intrigued at the same time by any of this stuff you need to you need to watch the mortis arc in yep. clone wars 
you need to watch World Between Worlds in Rebels. Yep. And those two little mini arcs will mostly catch you up. Um, that having been said, there's no way to interpret this way, this, this sequence of events in any definitive way. You can't. Yeah, like, no, no. But I'm, we're speculating here. Yeah. yeah. It's all very <laughs> mystical. It all kind of makes sense, but really doesn't. Um, I think his line to her uh, that I didn't expect to see you here so soon tells me this is the afterlife. Um, mm -hmm. And it's her interpretation of the afterlife, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's maybe it looks like the world between worlds because she's so familiar with it or it's going to play out in a particular way within the story. But I don't think she's literally in that place. I think she's in her own head uh, and in kind of an afterlife sort of situation right now. And um, that remains to be seen with what that's going to look like, if that is going to be accurate or not. But um, it's that line. I didn't, I didn't yeah. expect to see you. And, and again, I, I, again, I put it into a, that's why I think it's a manipulation thing. Um, but, uh, Fredo, where, where do you lie? Cause we, okay. So I'm on one, I'm on one square and Dave's on another square. Where are you at? Well, I'm with you fellas. <laughs> to see a line from my brother where I, uh, uh, it's interesting because part of me thought at first is just, I didn't expect to see you here so soon leads me to believe that this isn't Anakin from a point in the past. This is is not Anakin from, say, because, you know, I know that a story where Anakin fell into the world between worlds, sees a grown-up Ahsoka fighting, falling uh, to her death and pulls her in, much like Ezra did. I don't think that's it. Makes me wonder if maybe this is somebody else, because uh, just from the standpoint of if you're going to get an Ahsoka right now, her soft spot's always going to be Anakin because that's who trained her, that's who raised her, that's who fought for her and believed in her. And, you know, she fought him as Vader, but part of her is still, you know, glad that he got redeemed at the end. So it's it's an interesting dynamic that she has with the memory of this person. So the fact that this person's now in front of her could lead me to believe that she may be getting manipulated. But then at the same time, you know, so would Dave Filoni try to pull a fast one on us? Could it just, I mean, could it just simply be Darth Vader? It's just, he's not, you know, because he's in the afterlife, he's just, you know, so, could, we, could we have a separation? Could we have a separation of Anakin and Darth Vader where they exist as two halves? Well, that's in an interesting point. The afterlife. That's an, no, that's an issue. I don't necessarily think that. It's an interesting point that you bring that up because let's remember a couple things. Um, first mm -hmm. of all, uh, Ahsoka and Vader fighting and then all of a sudden, ahsoka disappears we don't know what that looked like from vader's vantage point when ahsoka was mm -hmm. pulled into the world between worlds but it probably made him go what the heck is up with this and he he had some downtime rolling the you know the so maybe he's talking because the and the emperor also knew how to kind of or he was getting close to figuring out how to get into the world between worlds so maybe mm -hmm. that is being passed on to vader at some point the other point is that remember when the emperor presented himself to Ezra, he presented himself mm -hmm. as nice old Palpy, not, you know, the evil, you know, witch from, uh, so I think, you, I think you may be right that I, first of all, I, I think, I think she is in the world between worlds. And like I said earlier, they, she had been there once before for sure. They said that she's went back. So maybe there was an interaction again that we didn't know about. And this mm -hmm. is Anakin Vader, whoever saying, I didn't expect to see you back so soon. So I don't necessarily, I, so I think this is the world between worlds. I don't necessarily think it's, you know, the afterlife. Um, there's again, we're speculating. We don't know. We'll know more right. next week, but I do, right. I will say the thing we, we do know for sure is do not trust the situation because it ends on the, on Vader's theme. Um, the other, the other thing that made me that just cracking in my head is we see in that final arc where, uh, 
uh, Palpatine is trying to convince Esrado and lock the gate to the world between worlds, that he presents himself, he presents Esrado with what he wants the most, his parents. Mm -hmm. Hey, you can unlock the door, you can be with your parents again, you can have your family again, and Esrado rejects it. Maybe this is Palpatine again, only rather presenting oh. himself as Gravino, Palpatine presents himself as Anakin. Fredo froze right before he said Palpatine <laughs> returned. Somehow Palpatine yeah. returned. <laughs> Somehow Palpatine returned. I mean, that, that, that's the same thing he did in Rise of Skywalker, right? Every voice that's been in your head, you know, it, right. it's, it's that same gimmick, that same trick. And we know that Palpatine does that, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, it's a very strong possibility that it's Palpatine who somehow figures out how to get in there and is meddling with it All though my question would be yeah. to what end why would you go to the trouble at this point to presumably rescue her uh and then try to bring her aboard for a reason you don't want thrawn coming back or you know like there's a lot of different it raises a lot more quite a lot more well maybe questions. actually getting her <laughs> pulling her into the world between worlds gets her out of the picture and gets thrown back and the empire you know comes back mm -hmm. and then palpatine can you know because he's sitting on exegol somewhere you know simmering so yeah. i mean yeah it's gonna be interesting there's there's a lot of a word again now we're the guy with the the red lines and the the board you know and everything but the I, I, let's just put it let's get it to the thirty five thousand feet you know view again let's it just goes back to they're writing this series so well you know that first of all you're like you know you can see the possibilities of these connections to the other stories that we've been told um and it, and it's also it's that like I said the the music we talked about the music is incredible in this episode but especially at the end um, it's you know again it gets done you're like oh, I want the next episode you know it's like and I, and this is why I'm glad that they don't just release all eight at once mm -hmm. because I get a week of talking with my friends about what this might mean and that's fun you know. Yeah, if I had all eight episodes, I could watch it all in a weekend and know everything that happens. And but this way, I don't. I get to I get to interact. And I get to listen to people, you know, and their speculations. Like, well, that's a good idea. It makes it fun for a week. It's like, you know, yeah. So I I'm just I'm digging it. So I'm glad. I'm the decisions they're making. I think are good. I think this is part of the Star Wars experience. I think it's important. It, it it's absolutely part of it because yeah, three years, years of Darth Vader, yeah. Luke's father, yeah, yeah, like Luke, uh, you know, he's Luke's father, really. Well, you got three years to figure it out, you know, and it, it's it's been like that forever, um, since Star Wars, the original movie, made a crap ton of money and they decided oh sequels here we go um ever since that moment it's been just you have downtime you process you speculate you guess you, you you theorize and then you see you know how bad your snoke theory was and um that's just part of the experience and i'm glad that they get that you know the the series should come out gradually so that people can react to it and talk about it and get excited well and especially oh, i'm sorry especially in a at the, and they, they made these decisions long before but it helps when there's a writer's and actor's strike and so the people that you got promote they're relying on podcasters really to and and social media to promote their series you know so anyway, Fredo, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, to kind of piggyback off of that, I mean, uh, uh, Star Wars has announced that we're going to get 10 cities are going to get, by the way, sold out everywhere they're doing this. Movie screenings of episode five of Ahsoka. Must be a big so, episode. 
which I mean they're doing they're doing a big celebration mid season is the middle part of the of the journey. Uh, they're they're doing it in Chicago and Boston and Dallas and LA. Sadly, not New Orleans. It's only ten cities, but uh, and they all sold out. So it's like they really really want you to come out and they really want you to connect with them. And I think that's one of the interesting things that I'm enjoying is people are connecting with the show much in the same way I connected with Andor, but for different reasons. That's kind of the fun part of all this that you wouldn't get if it all came out all at once because then all your questions would be answered, you know everything, and you know, you just go, okay, I spent the weekend binging it and I'm done. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be well, I can't wait for next week and see what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I, I anything else for the good of the order on this episode? This was fantastic episode. What are we, what are we? Be next i mean it's it's probably going to be something that none of us really fully predicted here um and and that's a credit to baloney and yeah. their team uh, i'm excited i'm excited to see what happens and next episode mm-hmm. is directed by dave filoni as well yep. so that's uh yeah. that's important as well mm-hmm. um so yeah expect a big one um and we will be caught up so we'll uh be able to have a podcast out to you um not too long after um the episode so um hey saints opening game on sunday so beat the titans um apparently um, Keyshawn, what's his bucket um picked the saints to go all the way he said, um, he said, you know, NFC South is the NFC South, and we've probably got the best. I mean, if we can fight the injury plague, um, then we could, if we could win the South, then we could, you know, get a home field advantage. And then um, are the rest of our, yeah, the rest of our schedule is not all that. So anyway, yeah, I'm not going to get the cart before the horse, but somebody picked us to go all the way. So. Watch, I bet Anders Pete twists his ankle on the first game. So, <laughs> but however, we will still always say who dat, who dat, who dat, and everybody have a great week. Enjoy your Star Wars. My monkey.